Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to Inside the Banjoverse. I'm your host, Endes Cahill, and today we have a treat in store if you are into bluegrass guitar or any type of flat picking. Jake Eddy is a mesmerizing musician. I found him on Instagram where he is a huge success and you can also find him on jakeeddy.com. He's a prolific teacher and unbelievable practicer and I think you're going to really enjoy this interview. Before we kick it off, a big shout out to all of my supporters on Patreon and if you would like to get behind all of my banjo related activities, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash end banjo. The link is in the show notes or in the description below if you're watching on YouTube. Is it is it Eddie or Edie? Jake, Jake, Eddie, yeah, Eddie, Eddie, yeah. Hey man, I'm a big fan. I look, I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> where you're oh, right. cool man, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I'm a I'm a huge uh, I'm a picking nerd, right? Yeah, me so, too. <laughs> yeah, I figured that. Yeah, so I'm. You, you know, I started. I've been teaching for years, right? And over the last two years when I started this Patreon thing uh, and I've loads of people on and they're, you know, get really getting into the minutiae of picking. And then I've, yeah. I've, I've ended up down this whole rabbit hole of um, the cracking the code with Troy Grady and pick slant mm. and stuff that I never really thought about ever before, because in the world of Irish music, a lot of stuff is pretty straightforward, you know, or else I was just doing it naturally without having to think about it. And then as I'm trying to problem solve and ask loads of questions, Suddenly, I'm becoming like really obsessed with with picking patterns, yeah. and then I come across you on Instagram, and I'm like, "Wow, this this guy's got it seriously, seriously dialed in." So, oh, thank you, man. Yeah, I um, you know, I actually recorded like a few like a couple of years ago. I recorded some stuff with Troy, some of that cracking the code stuff, and I don't know that it ever, I don't know if it ever came out or anything, but yeah, we we've we've connected a little bit at some point. I I emailed him, asked him. Troy, this this whole world of tenor banjo that you haven't even looked at. And he goes, and, and so he he emailed back and he goes, yeah, man, you know, if we ever make it over to Ireland, <laughs> which is highly unlikely. And then he said, well, it was got- funny. There was a thing that he put out. Uh, there was a little clip of mine that he put out, and it said something like, uh, you know, this. We usually say don't do this, but it seems to be working good for Jake or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He, he told me I had reverse darts thrower handpicking. And I'm like, what's that? Throwing darts at your head? I mean, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yes. Reverse dart thrower. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that look, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good look. Good luck for a banjo player. Anyway, t- t- give me a little bit of background. You're, you're West Virginia? Yeah, yeah. West Virginia, man. I've been here um, forever. 
for, for, you know, as long as I've been around pretty much. And, um, you know, son of a uh, banjo player. My mom was a banjo player and then guitar player. And her dad was a banjo player and a guitar player. And my dad's grandpa was a picker and I had uh, fiddlers on my dad's side of the family and all that. So I just, yeah, I got it kind of from all sides, really. Um, and it was just a, you know, natural thing. I learned like my, my grandpa was really into, um, you know, bluegrass, traditional bluegrass. Like we listened to the Stanley brothers and one of some fiddlers and flat and Scruggs and Reno and Smiley, Jimmy Martin. Uh, and then my, on my dad's side, my cousin, this guy, Lester Newberry was an old time fiddler. So he would show me like, uh, you know, tunes like ragtime Annie and like Mississippi Sawyer and stuff like that. So, um pretty pretty well-rounded like um players you know to be around as a kid it's pretty special oh. so was there was there a lot of kids your age that were into bluegrass and old-time music were you, was it just because of the family connections yeah, definitely because of family connections i feel like i mean we would go to festivals and stuff and there would be like younger kids who picked but i was kind of I don't know. I mean, at risk of sounding like an asshole, like I was pretty good when I was a kid. So like to play with other kids wasn't really, it didn't really work for me. I didn't enjoy that as much, you know? Um, So yeah, mostly, mostly, uh, mostly the family. And so did you get like formal lessons and like this, this one is a downstroke. This is an upstroke to, to, you know? No, 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 nothing like that. I did have, I took some, I took a few banjo lessons once when I was maybe, 12, 13, you know, um, just working out of a book, you know, like I think the Pete Wernick book or something. And, um, but no, other than, other than the, you know, a few months of banjo lessons, I never have had a teacher. And like, I, um, you know, and even like my mom, my grandpa and them, they weren't, they could show me things like to listen and to watch them play or whatever, but there was no, they didn't have any skills as far as teaching goes. Like they didn't know how to explain things to me, you know? So how do you operate then as a teacher? Well, yeah, it's it's a good point. Um, You know, it took me a long time. It took me a long time to be able to, like I had to figure out myself why things worked that didn't work, you know, having not had a teacher. Like I had to, you know, so I spent all this time in, in my life and coming up just figuring out how to play well and play comfortably, you know, by watching other players, by listening to records, stuff like that. And then to teach, you know, to be able to teach, I had to spend a lot of time before that, like examining my own play and coming up with kind of like an ideology of like, why do these things work and why is this the best way and 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 whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I never did think, you know, I never did have a great teacher so you know and i think almost in some ways that has helped me teach because i i know how i wish i would have been taught you know i know how i would have liked to been have things explained to me and um so i had to do it the hard way but yeah i mean with my students like i i try to (laughs) try to help them skip all the years of confusion you know the best i can yeah yeah (laughs) I had a similar experience, you know, playing. I just played for years and it was I was just playing. And then I ended up on a week's teaching camp in Alsace in France, which is right on the German border. And I had one student for four hours every day. And yeah. <laughs> he, he was German. And so he spent the and that's kind of I think it's important because he spent 
the, like the entire week going, hold on, hold on. Why do you do a downstroke on this note? And I'm like, I don't know. And by the end right. of the week, I had done this like deep analysis of my own playing and had kind of formulated a a method. Well, that's the thing. And I was I was always kind of like a natural. I always felt like growing up, like I just it made sense to me and like inherently, which is great for me as a player. But to explain it to people, yeah, it would be kind of like, well, you know, I had to like almost study. Yeah, I had to study myself, you know, so I could so I could explain it and like. um you know, and over the years, you know, you would have people come up to me and, and say, like, man, that's really interesting how you, you know, how you navigate that turnaround on Blackberry Blossom. And I'll go, oh, okay, I'll remember that you said that. And then I'll go back and look and see why, you know. So uh, it, it took, you know, yeah, from listening to other folks' dissections of my playing as well as my own to, to kind of get me to be able to teach for sure. Hmm. So I reckon... Now, and this is only my broad brush, right? So teaching for about 30 years. Uh, now, I always say when I was teaching and I was 17, I, that was irresponsible teaching because <laughs> I didn't know sure. what I was doing, right? I, so I teach alternate picking. So, yeah. and I, you know, and so I'll start, I'll start anyone off teaching them a reel because it's got eight, eight beats in a bar, right? Or eight notes in a bar. And so sure. it's, it's good to establish down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up. And I reckon that about 40% of players naturally pick in a regulated fashion and that 60 percent don't know what they're doing and they're they're when i when i'd say to them you you just did an upstroke when you know it should, and they're like oh i have no idea and so they're yeah have you a feel for that like for a natural picker and then someone that has to work at it? definitely i you know i think it's a much higher number of players that have no idea what's going on as far as pick direction goes um you know i get a lot of students who like um they're playing the right notes. They're they're playing the right rhythms, but their right hand is just like the most scariest thing you've ever seen, you know. And um, and and the other thing is like, you know, you explain alternate picking to them, and a lot of people think that alternate picking just means that every other note switches direction, with with no regard to the rhythm that you're playing, you know. But it's all about this thing of like the downbeats are downstrokes, upbeats are upstrokes, right? And that's. So they'll say, well, hey, why didn't you just play two downstrokes in a row? It's like, well, because those were two quarter notes, right? And that that thing becomes another issue. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely it's so much better to naturally understand that than have to learn it, you know? It, um, but yeah, I mean, I never, I never had any qualms about like alternate picking. That made sense to me because it, it comes from rhythm playing, right? When you're playing rhythm... All the down beats are on down strokes, all the up beats are on up strokes. So if you, you know, if you're shrinking down your rhythm technique to play individual strings, you should, you know, that should maintain. Yeah. But not always that easy. But I, I always use the example. Of, I don't know if you know what a bowron is, right? It's like, you know, the Irish drum. Have you seen that being played? It's played on. Yeah, the yeah, side. sure. And like, I reckon, well, here's a mandolin, right? I always reckon that every single person on planet Earth knows that if you went to play a wheel on a bar on, you're going to go down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Uh, right, 100%. Yeah. Give them a pick, and it's like down, down, up, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, right. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's like, I mean, if you were scratching your leg, you would scratch this way up, down, up, down, up. To, everything is like nature is kind of like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, alternating is like a thing that makes sense. You don't walk left, 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 right, right, left, right, right, right. You know, you just 
Um, but, you know, we're lucky that that feels natural for us, you know, and a lot of students like, you know, to grow up in a musical family and stuff is such a, such a privilege because it's like, you don't, you know, all the things that we take for granted, just about like, yeah, alternate picking or just learning tunes, playing tunes, whatever. It's not, you know, for someone who's not raised up that way, it can be pretty daunting. Yeah. Yeah. I run into that a lot because I, you know, I grew up, you know, the, the immersion in music. And one of the big things with Irish music is this, the swing within the rhythm that it doesn't make any sense and it's almost impossible to define it. And if you were to write it with all the dotted notes, it wouldn't make any sense. It'd be right. Unplayable. <clears throat> and, I understand the privilege of just growing up with the immersion of that and mm-hmm. then trying to teach it to a dentist from Connecticut who doesn't even have a session that he can go to, you know, <laughs> like, how do you explain that? You know, so yeah. is that yeah. something you run into as well? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, a hundred percent. And like, and that's why I pretty much, if at all applicable, I'd force my students to go to a jam, you know, like, um, you know, I say force lightly, but I definitely will guilt them about it. Like, you know, yeah, because without like, there's just so much of it that you can't understand if you don't play with other people or if you don't hang with, like the hang will teach you so much. Just being around with listening to records and all that stuff, like, uh, it's huge. And yeah, so I've had students who are, yeah, like you said, the dentist from Connecticut. I, I do, yeah, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of those guys. And, you know, it's like, go to the jam like i pretty much make them go to a jam where i'll say hey find your local jam and like let's not meet again until you go (laughs) you know or whatever and it's just like because there's things there's things that you can never ever teach over zoom especially and there's things you can never teach one-on-one either like so much of it is just you know like learn experience and stuff like that yeah yeah so how do you teach you do you do do you do in person you teach online yeah well so like anytime i'm teaching like a one hour block or, you know, one-off lessons, like, yeah, I'm teaching online. I don't take students for in-person lessons, you know, unless they're doing my homestay thing, which you may be seeing. Like I have students that live in my house. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me about that. That's what I wanted to ask about that. Yeah. yeah so I had a, I had a friend um, who is a jazz guitar teacher and educator in Canada. And he does kind of a homestay program where he, he he hires an assistant and they live with him for a year or two. And in exchange, he like teaches them jazz. And I'm like, well, I, that sounds horrible, but I would like, I would love to teach students for a week, you know, or something like that. And so I've had, you know, I have students that come out for like, you know, four five, six days. And we're just attached at the hip basically. I mean, we wake up and make coffee and put records on and learn tunes and, jam and go to jams and cook together and i mean you know everything we do is like this whole immersive like experience together and so um i've probably had i don't know maybe 30 students or so in the past year passed through here um and it is a special thing because it's what we're talking about like all like i can teach anybody on zoom for an hour show them something that'll make them a little better and that's cool um but, you know, I've seen students come here who can really get into the groove of, like, living the life and being in the community and hanging and listening to records and learning tunes. And, like, you know, in a week's time, I'll see their whole perspective of the music change. And it's amazing, you know, to see, like, 
you know, if I'm going to teach you a lick on Zoom, I'm going to teach you here how to like be a flat picker or whatever. You know, it's like a different thing. It's not just about we'll put your fingers here, but it's like what to listen to, what to listen for, why, how to think about listening to records, how to how to learn a tune, why to learn a tune, developing taste, what sounds good, what sounds like shit, why, like how to be able to discern the difference. All, you know, so it's like all these, all those things. And there's also no time constraint. So like if, if I'm teaching a student for an hour, I feel like I owe them something in an hour's time. Like they have to improve in an hour, whether it's a little bit or a lot, they have to take something away. Whereas here, like if we decide that it's in our best interest to take a bike ride and talk about Tony Rice, then then we'll just take a notion and go do it. You know, I don't like there's infinite time to get into whatever might inspire us to get better. So um, it's pretty special. You know, it's it's been really really good. I can't can't recommend it enough. <laughs> really. Yeah, it's it sounds amazing. Would you be would you be wrecked at the end of it? Are you, like, are you tired from that amount of intensive time with somebody? Are you an man, introvert kind of? I'm a freak, man. I, I, I no, not really. Um, I, I do sometimes get a little worn out if I have back to back. Like last month, I had, I think, three students back to back, three weeks straight. That was a little heavy. Uh, but usually, if the student is like actually improving and absorbing things, when like there's nothing I want to do more than play more and teach them more and hang with them more you know like i um like as soon as my last student left he was great really inspiring guy hard worker good player like when he left i the next two weeks i was in my studio like cutting this new record and i like i felt really like my chops were good and fresh and i felt nimble and i felt inspired and excited because we had had this like great experience so as long as they're not an asshole and they take a shower, uh, I love to have them here. You know? <laughs> how does your How does your wife uh, feel about it? She's great. I mean, she's great. She really, um, she's great. I mean, you know, more often than not, she kind of becomes pretty attached to the students as well. You know, it's like it's a lot. You know, it's like it's like having it's like moving in with someone that you never met. You know, so you have like you share all sorts of like experiences with him and you tell you know the students tell me stories and things that they would probably have never told anyone before you know we get like pretty close pretty fast so it's kind of uh yeah i mean but she likes it in our house we just moved into a new house that has like plenty of space and like so our third floor is like reserved for the student alone so like if you know if the student wants to go upstairs to their place and like practice or take a shower or watch tv or whatever it's not like five feet away from me it's like you know they can go far away and it's it, so no it's it's really good it's great she likes it you know and if like she i noticed her getting a little tired like yeah well we have them back to back same as me but like we have a student coming next week that uh he's coming from texas and we met him before at a camp that i taught and yeah we're both excited to have him here because we know him and we like him and yeah so uh it works really well for us i don't I can't say many wives would would be down with this setup, but uh, yeah, she's good. <laughs> yeah, you haven't had to throw anyone out after after two days yet, no? Uh, I haven't. There was one. Um, there was one that I thought about it. <laughs> there was one that I thought about it for sure. Um, and if if he's watching this, you know, it's like 
they'll never know. They'll never know which one of them it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, there was there was one instance where I kind of was like ready for the guy to go. But other than that, no. I mean, like you know, they're, they're actually kind of similar people. They all share some traits because it's a, it's a certain kind of person that's willing to. Like it's a certain kind of teacher that's willing to invite a stranger into their house to live and learn, and it's a certain kind of student that's willing to do that as well. So it's, you know, but I've had guys from all sorts of different backgrounds. I mean, we've had all the typical like doctors, lawyers, whatever, but also like uh, we had a, uh, a professional tennis player, we've had professional musicians, we've had we had an author, we've had uh, we just had a Delta pilot. We've had, I mean, just every job you can imagine, we've pretty much had it here. We had a guy who worked. Uh, we had a guy who worked saute in a fine dining restaurant. who cooked for us quite a bit while he was here, you know. So yeah, I mean, there's all all sorts of guys have passed through here. It's pretty cool. It sounds amazing. Uh, all, yeah. all all blokes, all fellas. Um, you know, yeah, and that's sort of like, I, I guess, not a surprise to me. I mean, because this is kind of like you know, bluegrass guitar dudes are like kind of one thing, but then also like. I, I sort of understand that it might be a different feeling for a woman to want to come do this because it's like going to stay in a dude's house that you've never met. Like, I get that there's kind of a little strange aspect to it, um, but I'm open to it. You know, come one, come all. I'm I'm, I'm cool with whatever. Um, it just hasn't really, uh, the opportunity hasn't really uh, arose, but, it, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Are you perfectionistic, Jake? You were talking about, oh, yeah. like, really wanting to, you know, the people on the hour, I mean, I'm the same. I'm like, have they improved drastically in this 40 minutes that I've talked to them, you know? Uh, with, you know, I, I think I, I'm more of a perfectionist. Like, well, I think I'm more reasonable with my students. You know, it's easy for me to look at it from the outside. Go, look, man, um, you're doing great. Let's keep working on whatever, as opposed to like hounding them to do everything exactly perfect all the time. But, for, you know, in my own journey as a player, definitely have that perfectionist like, to a fault, you know, like there's there's still days, oftentimes many days a week that I'm playing like 14 hours, 16 hours sometimes in a day, wow. um, which is not I mean, I don't recommend that for anyone, but there's things that I can't let go. You know, there's things that I want from myself that I and, and you know, it would be different if I never, you know, a lot of perfectionists have this problem where they like. They just move the goalpost forever when they're almost got the thing figured out. They like tack on more goals and like, and that's not me. I mean, I can be pretty focused on one thing and beat the hell out of it and get it right and take a break for a few days and chill out and play video games, trick wine or whatever, you know, like I, I could do that too. But, um, you know, when I get something in my mind, like I gotta, I gotta get it right. Like I've been working on this solo record and, um, I was doing like pretty much four, like 14 hour days in, in my studio for two weeks straight for like about 13 days um, with no stop in the middle, you know, just straight down. And so that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I see the perfectionist thing there, but uh, you know, it comes and goes. Hmm. I want to ask you about picking because yeah. all right, so I play Irish banjo. Now, there's one one of the fundamental differences. This is going to sound fantastic for people that listen to a podcast without video, but well, here we go. <laughs> one 
one of the fundamental differences is that we do loads of triplets. Right? Sure. So <clears throat> the way that I have always taught is that uh, all of the action comes through the movement of the wrist, right? So it's a really loose wrist. And in actual fact, you're, you're kind of rotating through a support. The hand is, is very much supported in contact with the banjo, right? So... And I would rarely play a whole load of eighth notes without without ornaments, right? So... And the, the ornaments are a kind of like a thumb movement. Uh, and they provide... Okay. They pro they provide relief to my my hand because the alternate picking for me gets kind of tiring after a while. So like I can do it, but not at not at great speed. So like let's say a tune like this, right? So that's just like regular alternate picking. Now I can go, yeah. But wait till I put in triplets. I can go five times as fast. Which makes no sense, right? God, I'm not warmed up at all. But anyway, you get the idea. Yeah, that's great. So there's all of these triplets that are jumping in. Anyway, my observation is, and particularly with the David Benedicts of the world and the bluegrass mandolin players is that it's very straight-wristed, but with super speed. And I'm, I always struggle to understand how that yeah. works. Well, I, in, in my opinion, it could be working even better if they would loosen up a little bit, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think one thing is when you see guys who play with, and, I, and I'm not like digging on David, I think he's great. Uh, but like, a lot of times when you see guys who aren't using your their wrist, um, you know, to me as a, as a teacher and as a player, like that's a red flag for me. Like I would want to see that differently. Um, not only for, you know, it might be working for the time being, but I sort of see techniques like that becoming unattainable as players get older, as players get worn out. You know, that's not, you're not meant to be that rigid when you're playing, you know, or when you're doing anything. Um. So I don't know. I mean, I tend to think, you know, for the downstrokes and things, I let a, a lot of gravity doing the work for me, you know, I mean, and and not only just my wrist, but all the way from the elbow and on down. Um, you know, I tend to think of like, uh, I tend to think of like playing rhythm as being the correct mechanics, you know, and if you're playing lead, you just shrink those down. You know, you see a lot of guys who might play rhythm with a nice loose rig. They go to play lead and they might play. A really rigid, like from the elbow. Um, whereas I feel like my rhythm technique and my lead technique are sort of feel the same, just different styles, you know? Uh, like that feels pretty similar i don't feel like i have two techniques there although it might look a bit different you know uh. 
Yeah, that's that, that's really interesting because I w- I would say there's a lot of wrist movement in your play, and it's it looks a lot lighter than I would associate with a lot of with a lot of pickers that I see. Yeah, I, I feel like, um, you know, I don't know. I, I teach my students a lot. You know, when they're talking about right hand, that we we strive for comfort first, and then we fine tune all the details from there. Because I, you know, I've had. I had a student once who had a some kind of repetitive stress injury from playing guitar that that prohibited him from ever bending his pointer finger again. His pointer finger was like this for life, and you know that it wasn't my fault. It happened to him before he got to me, but it freaked me out, you know. And like so, um, and when you see guys like Tony Rice or whatever, whose technique like deteriorated so quickly when he was only like fifty years old or something, um. You know, it, it's like not lost on me that that it's important to make sure you're doing it in a healthy way, in a safe way that you can continue to do. Um, did Tony have know, a dystonia? Was that was that what he had? He did, yeah. He yeah. did, and like, and you know, I know that that's not just due to like technique or whatever, but it's you wonder how that stuff plays a part, especially when you watch close-ups of him playing. Sometimes he's very loose, sometimes he's very rigid and tense and stuff. So it's just you know, I don't know. Um, Make sure it feels sustainable. That's something I think about a lot. Like, if you if you can't play a few tunes straight, you know, if you couldn't play guitar for ten minutes straight without getting sore or something, that you know, that would be cause for concern. I think <laughs> who, it should who, feel good. It should feel comfortable. It should feel you know. It should feel normal. Who who are your heroes? Uh, Clarence White, first probably, um, and and then everybody else can tie for sec. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, that's I'm kind of being funny, but definitely like, definitely Clarence, man. I mean, Tony, obviously, Don Reno, um, you know, Norman Blake, Doc Watson. Those are kind of like cop outs. Wyatt Rice is in there. Um, you know, Russ Berenberg, Dan Crary, just like naming every flat picker. But um, <laughs> now, what about what about modern players like? People that are um, that are that are producing records now and touring. Yeah, I mean Brian Sutton, who's like a, a good friend of mine, is also like the great, you know, one of the greats ever, and kind of like I sort of view him in some ways as like the flat picking dad. You know, he's like the he's like our guy. Like if I needed advice, I would call Brian. You know, he's like the guy who's kind of our um, he's kind of you know top of the heap, and then. Obviously, Greer is great. David Greer is great. And he's also a big-time fan of Clarence. So there's all sorts of things in his playing that I find really, really nice. Um, you know, younger than those. I mean, Cody Kilby is another great player. Um, you know, as far as, like, guys younger than that, um, give me me every time. <laughs> you know i don't know um uh, what's your take then on we'll say new grass you know jazz grass chamber grass arena grass is that what we're dealing with these days stadium grass i, like, I don't know man it's all it's all the same shit to me i i tend to think of like i can dig whatever you're doing is if you're playing traditional repertoire and you or at the very least, you're able to play traditional repertoire and fiddle tunes and stuff like that. When you get into bands that are playing a new version of bluegrass, but they don't know how to play the old version, that's where I start to get a little, a little 
it's a little dicey for me. Um, you know, like I've seen, like like take Billy Strings for an example. I mean, Billy is a guy that that um, that we've become, you know, friends only recently, like in the past year or two. And I think what Billy does is so cool. You know, he brings, he kind of has snuck traditional bluegrass into this other costume where he can bring it to all these people, you know, who are into jam bands and whatever. Um, but when you sit down and pick tunes with Billy, he wants to play fiddle tunes. He wants to play Doc Watson tunes and he wants to play Tony stuff and Clarence White, you know, like, and I think that's so cool. Now I've also had students who are like, man, you know, we play in a, it's always some like bullshit thing. Like, man, we play in a, a heavy metal polka grass band or something, you know, it's always like junk like that. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like, what flat pickers do you like? And then when they say like, well, I don't really know any, or like what fiddle tunes do you like? Well, I don't really know any, you know, that, then, then it's like, I don't, I can't, I couldn't care less about that shit. But if, if you're coming at it from a place of, of love of traditional music, then I say, go crazy and go for it. You know, mm. just a quick change of pace. Talk to me about Instagram. I mean, cause it's like, you know, you're talking about traditional bluegrass and traditional flat pickers and these great, and then, you know, we're living in this world of Instagram, which has been very successful for you. But how how does it interact with what you do for a living? Man, it's funny. Like I got really lucky on Instagram. I don't know, I don't know what I did, or even really still what I'm doing there. And and I think that's why it's worked for me. Where like I, you know, I talk to players who who talk a lot about like making content. Like, man, how do you? What time do you post and what camera do you use? What do you think of the algorithm? And what and you know, and I don't know anything about any of that at all. At all. I only know what I do is like if I'm playing, if I'm working on something in my practice time or I'm working for record, I will turn my phone on and record about a minute of it. I'll say, here's this thing I'm working on. And that's it. You know, I don't do shit else. I don't like I don't sit around and scheme about like how to get views or anything like that. I mean, I don't, and I think people can tell that I'm, I'm more into like documenting my progress and my work rather than making like a product for folks. And now how does it interact with the way I make a living? It's a little different because it's, you know, you bring the people in with just the normal stuff. Like I said, I'm just playing for the people, but it gives you this pool of, customers which is another thing where like if i make some material i want to sell i have seventy five thousand people who want to buy it you know or if i'm like this homestay thing just by advertising that and i say advertising just saying hey here's the tune i'm working on also if you want to come live at my house and study send me a message like just simple stuff like that um if i were to answer every email every dm that i have i could i, I mean i'd probably have a I might have a thousand people in queue right off the bat who would come here. Um, if I was answering every email about private students, I could, I, I'm probably having like four or five years of stuff I could book, you know? And so it's like, um, and I'm not trying to cater to those people at all. I'm just trying to be great at guitar. And, you know, and I think that comes across pretty good. Are you, are you, are you getting better all the time? I feel like I am. I don't know. I mean, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll stop eventually. Maybe not. I mean, yeah, I do. I think I probably sound pretty much the same all the time to a lot of people. But yeah, to me, I do feel like I'm getting better. Um, which is good. I think that's all you can ever hope for. You know, I think if you ask 
anybody, Tony Rice, ask Brian Sutton, ask whoever you want. Like, do you, are you still hoping to improve? I think the answer is yes. How, how long do you practice for every day? Probably at minimum. Well, it depends what you're considering practice. I probably have the guitar in my hand for as on a on a bad day, six hours. <laughs> you know, and that's like on a shitty. That's a day when I'm playing Mario Kart and ordering <laughs> DoorDash. And shit. I mean, that's like a low day. You know, um, on a on like I said, like on a, a really quote unquote good day, a, a productive day, fourteen hours, probably fifteen hours. Wow. And that's, wow. and again, that's not always with the metronome on playing tunes, playing tunes, playing tunes, but it, you know, yeah. I mean, like today, I've taught a little, I've recorded a little, and I've practiced a little today. I don't know what time it is now. I've probably already got five hours with the guitar in hand today. Wow. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's not even noon. In, right. Well, uh, yeah. Are you in central? You're in central. Are you central time? Eastern. Yeah. Eastern. Okay. Yeah. So it's like one o'clock. <laughs> it's lunchtime. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's dedication, man. Well, I just, you know, I, I was telling my students this the other day, like if I listening to music is the thing I really like, if I could get paid to just listen to records, I'll do that, you know, but I, that's not how it works. You have to like be great. So I've, I've just insisted on, it. you know, I've never like, I have an unhealthy attraction to being great at the guitar. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to be in in the community. I want to crush everything, everyone. I want, you know what I mean. Like I, I have a a sick, uh, you know, like obsession with it. I really do. Do you have an end line? Do you have a goal? I mean, well, do you have a goal in like? Would you? Do you see yourself getting to a place where like yes? Um, Man, I, that's the other thing. I'm kind of in it. I, I, I think I'm there. Like, I, I don't, I had my student, I had a homestay student who asked me like two weeks ago. He asked me that thing, like, what, like, if you could change anything about your life or about your career, like, what would it be? And I'm like, man, honestly, nothing. I have like a giant group of people who are, are like rabidly supportive of the art that I make, have a nice big house that I, you know, that when a wife that lives in it and we have a bunch of records and, a, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's good. I can play as many gigs as I want. I can play as many records as I want. Like it's, the, you know, I have like a surplus of available work, which is insane. And like, yeah, I, I, I'm good. I could, I could retire today. I'd be just a happy clam. <laughs> Jake, that's a great way to finish. And it's been an, yeah. ap- oh, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope I get to meet you. Sometime in the future and play a few 100%. tunes. Yeah, I'd love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big admirer, and even more so now, having haven't had the chance to talk to you. <laughs> well, cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.